Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Hands-On Safety. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of a different show today. We've got a couple of guests with us, and we're just going to have a discussion about things, um, telling our personal stories. And some of you may have seen this post on Facebook or Twitter about asking for people's personal stories around safety and um, just talking about, you know, how we handled it, uh, how we could have handled it, what we try to do now to to handle things like that better. Uh, we'll just see where it goes. So uh, with us, as usual, is Megan Hargrave. Hello, everybody. And George Freeman. So everybody. And our guests today are Jim Barber. Good evening, everybody. And Chad Bowden. Hello, everybody. Hope you're doing good. So I want to start today with having um, the two of you tell us a little bit more about yourself. Um, Jim, you've been on our show before, but I am going to have you repeat um, <laughs> little personal history. Um, but we'll have Chad go first. Oh, uh, okay. So I get to go first. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> You're the new guy. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, yeah. So um, like it was just said, I am Chad Bouton. I am the host of a disability podcast called Hindsight is 20 slash 200. Of course, it uh, that name is on purpose to be punny because of, <laughs> you know, 20 slash 200 kind of being the benchmark. For those of us who are declared legally blind or, mm -hmm. you know, to have a major visual impairment to where it impacts our daily living. So when I uh, started the podcast, I wanted an interesting name. And it's always been a joke between my father and I where he says, well, you know, hindsight is always 2020. I'm like, well, not for me. Right. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I started the podcast in March of this year. Um, it kind of blossomed out of a relationship between I and the Royal National Institute of Blind People out of uh, the UK and their Connect Radio. They uh, found an article that I wrote about accessibility in video games, and they invited me on to talk about my experience and what it was like to write the article for a major publication. And they just kept giving me work. So apparently they liked me enough. And um, out of that, I decided that I really loved doing the broadcast side of things. So I put together my podcast and it's been uh, an amazing experience from day one. And I'm just so happy that uh, I get to do this uh, as my daily life. Awesome. Um, so tell me a little bit. Um, we have you on here through George. Mm -hmm. So uh, tell us tell us how you and George met. Uh, yeah, so the the funny thing is, is I can't remember he because George, you used to work for another program that eventually kind of defunct, and then you moved on to strive for you. Correct? Right. Leslie and I both. That's how I met Leslie. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. George and I both both met there. Right. So I contacted the original person, so the you know the the person mm -hmm. that you guys used to do the program with. And, you know, he explained to me, like, hey, you know, we're not really doing it right now because, you know, just things with the pandemic have kind of impacted us in a major way. So, you know, and George has, you know, gone on elsewhere and he told me about Strive for You. And so I went through Strive for You, found them on social media and then I reached out through there. And then, of course, also I got George's contact info and then, you know, emailed him and asked if he would want to come on the show because, for me, I've always been a really big fan of mixed martial arts. Um, mm -hmm. I've always been to the UFC. I watched wrestling when I was growing up, you know, boxing. 
So for me, combat sports I, has always been like a big, big love. Like, you know, I don't like a lot of sports, but um, combat sports has always been something that I'm into. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've been watching the UFC since the early 2000s. So like, you know, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, um, Muay Thai, kickboxing, all, all that type of stuff, okay. you know, karate. It's mm-hmm. always been like a really big thing that I love to watch and just see happen in real time. So for me, I always wanted to bring you know, not just sports, but um, just self-defense to my podcast, because as a, someone with a major visual impairment, you know, that's something that I feel that I have a, you know, an obligation to promote when it comes to disability is how do we defend ourselves since, you know, the likelihood of us being more vulnerable is always going to be quite high versus other people. Gotcha. Very cool. We're glad to have you on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me. It's an honor. So, Jim, tell us a little bit about you. Good evening, everybody. This is Jim Barber. Uh, I um, have been on here before, but uh, I have quite a background. I, In the daytime, I am a computer engineer. I work for uh, Goldman Sachs during computer engineering. I am an expat uh, living in the UK. I have done quite a bit of travel. Uh, I do a lot of community organizing among the blind community. I am myself a blind person. And I'm very happy to be here this evening. Thank you for coming on the show again, Jim. Jim was with us um, the last time, I believe, for our episode about um, getting concealed carry permits and had a lot of interest in in how to get a gun as a blind person and (laughs) what you needed to do. So thank you for coming and for staying up. (laughs) I'm happy to be here. I'm actually currently in Germany, where it is you, a li- uh, even later. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> even later. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, oh, we've so got a, we've got a very uh, <laughs> wide net. We do. Yeah, it's a global coverage. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Chad, I think I don't know if you said and I missed it, or or you didn't say where where are you from? Yes. Yeah, so, um, born and raised in the Panhandle of. Florida, but nowadays I call the Tampa Bay area my home. So okay. we are on high alert for uh, yes, Ian, you are, and we are hoping for the least amount of damage. Um, you know, right now it is either reported to go to Tampa Bay or to Pensacola, and both of those would be bad because, of course, Tampa Bay is where I call home, but Pensacola was where I was born and raised. So. Right. I would absolutely hate to hear um, that my hometown was just completely destroyed. So, you know, either way, it's not, it's not a good situation. <laughs> right. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to hope that the, the coming cool fronts are going to keep it small and, yeah, and keep it further south. And, you know, I it's, hate for it to hit anybody, but uh, mm-hmm. we're going to hope for yeah, the best. Especially if it goes to Panama City because they, they are still recovering. Oh, from yeah. The last they're one, still in, just, in a bad way it, because of my. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just so hard. And this is like, you know, we've had a, a, a decent hurricane season in terms of not a lot of like major storms coming towards us, but yeah. we've had a lot of storms. Um, so I, I, you know, I always knew we would probably get one bad one at least this year. And unfortunately I was correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that yeah. Fiona that's coming at you guys? Um, no. So no, we Fiona went Ian, north, way north. Actually uh, went to Canada. Say, I know. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, wait, how did it switch directions? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> you know, though, if it did switch directions and came back, it, that, that's the things of hurricanes. The scariest thing about a hurricane is how fast it can change within just a couple hours, but also just 
how strong they can get within yep. just an hour. It's, it's, you know, it's just one of those things Like the forces of nature is, is truly scary how fast they can really get to like a major emergency. Yep, definitely. And you never know um, when, mm-hmm. when it's safe to stay and when it's safe to, when you have to uh, leave. And Yeah. And having lived that, in Florida for my entire life, you know, it's yeah. just like hurricanes have always been something that you have to just, you know, get used to. It's like, you know, like if you live in California, you know, wildfires and earthquakes you know know the risk when you're moving there right right yeah i grew up on the alabama coast and moved to the mississippi coast so Mm -hmm. i'm still affected by that um Mm -hmm. megan you were gonna say something yeah sorry i thought you were done leslie it's okay uh chad i do have a question for you so we have um in the past we have done episodes on emergency preparedness Mm -hmm. and whatnot so since you grew up in florida and you're currently still in florida Mm -hmm. Do you have like a personal go bag? Yes. Stuff like that? <laughs> yes, I do. Um, especially when I first moved out um, to South Florida. Um, when I originally moved out, because, uh, you know, like I said, I, I was originally, you know, raised in the panhandle. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in 2018, um, after I graduated from college, I moved down to the Tampa Bay area to start working with Southeastern Guide Dogs. Um, it's an amazing organization that raises guide dogs for the blind or those who are visually impaired and um, service dogs for veterans. And I got to work for them as a philanthropist for about four years. Uh, and it's also where I got my current guide dog from. So, of course, you know, I moved down here and my family stayed up in the panhandle. Of course, they have all since relocated to my area now. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, family always sticks together. But, um, <laughs> nice. You know, that was the, that was definitely something that was very prevalent when I moved. It's like, okay. Uh, cause when I moved, you know, Irma and Michael had, you know, recently really just kind of come in and destroyed the place. Um, yeah. so we were like, okay, we need to make sure you have everything. So I have a go bag with lanterns super high and uh, flashlights, military grade flashlights. Of course, I have generators. Uh, always make sure to stock up on water, especially during this time of the year, because you never know when a major hurricane is going to impact you. And then, of course, um, the big thing is, you know, making sure I know where shelters are. And of course, you know, now that the family is here, it'll be more of a family um, agreement on, you know, if we need to evacuate, you know, where we're going to go. Where you're going to go, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So further Absolutely. on that, um, since you have a dog, do you have pr- like extra food and stuff for them? Yeah, always got to make sure that the doggo has his food, um, has his safety moose, which is basically just a stuffed moose that he loves to carry around with him everywhere <laughs> he goes. Um, so that, I call it his happy moose because it keeps him happy when he's somewhere he not the most comfortable with. Uh, so get that, you know, get his, you know, his medications, like his glucosamine, his tick and flea and heartworm stuff, um, toothbrush and toothpaste, just make sure, you know, I keep extra of that in a suitcase I have that I use for travel whenever I need to get, do, do a conference or just go somewhere for a speaking engagement. So I always make sure when I travel to pack extra for my, my baby boy. <laughs> yep. Yeah. My dog has her own suitcase mm-hmm. <laughs> that goes everywhere with us. Honestly, I take care of him better than I take care of myself. <laughs> I, I, I can agree to that wholeheartedly. Um, so, so Jim, you're, you experienced your first hurricane last year. <laughs> 
Um, Jim came to visit me, and I'm trying to remember which hur- which hurricane that was. Uh, was it Ida that hit New Orleans, uh, or just I, east I of New Orleans been. last year? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was it was Ida um and Jim was visiting me here on the Mississippi coast at the time and um so he he had come to uh <laughs> was like what do we do? <laughs> yeah, right. And I and I, I think to... I oh, think for you it, the hype was was not <laughs> not as more hype than you than there what was it more hype than than anything else. Yeah, so um, that was my first hurricane. My brother lives in South Florida, and so I often check on him when I hear about hurricanes um, headed sort of certain direction. <laughs> and I often find that it's the case that it's like you know the the end of the world is coming. Oh, <laughs> never mind. I, that, that seems to be how how Just the news kind of treats that. <laughs> well, it's it's. I mean, there's a there's that fine line, and I think you and I talked about this last year, where it's um, you know that that fine line between how do you you get the point across that this could be dangerous, and people you really need to be paying attention and be aware mm-hmm. to making more of out of it than it really is. So that people don't in the future go, oh, yeah, they told us last time a hurricane was coming and it didn't. And and that's what often happens because you don't know. You don't know where it's going to hit. You know, you can make some predictions about where it might go Um, here on the coast. Mm -hmm. We uh, because of the shape of the land and because of the depth of the water, um, you can kind of somewhat safely assume that if the hurricane is coming directly at Biloxi, it's going to get veered off to the east um which is what happened with sally um so we're going to be most affected by anything that goes west of us and then Mm -hmm. then you got to you know decide how far west is it going to go how bad is it going to be when it hits how how much is it going to take an immediate right turn and come right down the coast or is it going to go further north and there's just so much unknown in that process that that yes it it does um feel like a lot of hype and for nothing um sometimes but sometimes that hype leads to <laughs> to real danger so um it's kind of hard to say the thing i think yeah. that's tricky about that is that people will learn uh people will become trained that that the media is crying wolf and so yes. they won't pay attention to it and so mm-hmm. it really is i think important to kind of to kind of censor s- set yourself up to to pay attention to it and yet not be, you know, overly impacted by it. And that's, that's a hard, that, that is a hard line to kind of walk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, we, Especially um, if it's your first one. Yeah, For definitely. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I kind of, I kind of have a stance of I'm not going to leave for anything under a category two. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one turned out to be a four, but it, it ended up going far enough West that it didn't affect mm-hmm. us much. Uh, but there was still that moment of, okay, we, we really consider leaving <laughs> yeah and, and like then said, when is so it too late to leave because I'm you're sorry. just going to get stuck on the road yeah the and thing is oh go ahead i'm sorry uh, uh the leaving thing is also interesting from a blindness perspective right because if you haven't made arrangements to leave you kind of are very limited in terms of what your options are right right are, you can't just get on a bus it, and... <laughs> right or call an uber or call an email, okay. um <laughs> so I, I, think, I think we thought about calling various family members to see if they could come pluck us out of the soup and eventually decided to just, stick, just it stick it out, it out. yeah it's uh it's it's a it's tricky and does i think require a little bit of extra attention 
if you're somebody who doesn't drive and can't um, just, you know, hop in the car and, and yeah, absolutely elsewhere. That'd be interesting to see them really push when it comes to the, the weather, though, is because, you know, a lot of times, you know, and I, I don't mean to, like, take it this direction, but, like, especially with the war in Ukraine, um, they've not really reported on, like, the struggles of the visually impaired or the disabled and just where they've been and just all, you know, kind of just not being focused on. But it, it would be great if, like, the weather, especially the weather, had at least a couple of segments on like, you know, disability and, you know, like the, the state of emergency and how, you know, we have to do a lot more planning, um, especially if it comes to evacuation. I just think that that would kind of be nice if, if they could, you know, start doing that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, at the very least, just getting information where it's not just uh, we'll put this information up on the screen for you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, making sure that that they are reading that information out and um, sometimes, you know, switching over to the radio, if you can, is is helpful mm -hmm. because you're you're going to be, you know, everybody's uh, in the same boat, so to speak, to mm -hmm. to information from the radio. It has to be read out. And, mm -hmm. um, so sometimes it's just a matter of changing sources. Yeah, potentially. So I was I was thinking uh, about this podcast and and thinking about things that have happened to me in the past. Um, and, and we've certainly told a number of stories on the show before. But I think one of the big ones that stood out for me was um, shortly after I lost my vision. And I, this, is, this was even after I had gone through uh, training, blindness training at the Louisiana Center for the Blind. It was walking through a hotel and had someone... Uh, come up to me. My parents were walking ahead of me and we were going out to the car and I went the wrong way around some furniture. And this gentleman just stood up, never said a word to me, grabbed both my wrists in his hands and started walking me backwards. And I let him do it, but it was so disconcerting and shocking. Um, you know, and I should have said something and I should have stood my ground, but it was so disconcerting to have this done that I was just kind of like, <laughs> I don't know what to do. And, you know, having gotten, gotten out of that situation after, after he let go um, and walking out the door, you know, having my parents say, you know, well, he was just trying to help um, and not really understanding why I was so upset by the interaction. Um, and I, I hope now that I would handle it better. I have certainly learned that when people start trying to move me, you know, to plant my feet and say, hang on, I'm not, <laughs> you're not dragging me anywhere or at least at the very least have a conversation with them and say, I can take your arm or can I help you or, you know, something to break the interaction or, or to slow the interaction down. But, um, you know, certainly for me, that was that was initially a scary situation, even though it was seemingly in a safe place. We were in a hotel lobby full of people. You know, my family was not far away. Um, but to have something like that happen unexpectedly was just um, almost um, almost something that froze me in place where I didn't didn't react to it very well until after the fact. 
Did you kick him into Jimmy at least? <laughs> I, I did not. I just, <laughs> I, I would, I wish I would have. I mean, mm, I wish I would have even gotten mad at him to him mm. instead of waiting until I got outside to express how upset I was over the situation. But I mm. was just in such shock that I was just let it happen. Mm -hmm. um, just say, <clears throat> unhand me, you knave. <laughs> 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 I mean, I can only imagine, uh, you know, how upsetting that was, because especially like you, you said, this was fairly recent after you got your diagnosis. Um, so it's kind of like, wow, this is this something that's going to happen to me constantly now that I'm, you know, losing my vision or people just going to kind of try and manhandle me if I go the wrong way. You know, it kind of can, you know, it can create, a, you know, some, you know, mental you know, yeah. and, and sadly, the answer to that is yes. <laughs> mm, yeah. To all of that is yes. It's mm -hmm. going to happen repeatedly. Yeah. yeah. It just, you know, it makes it, you know, scary for you. Um, mm -hmm. And it makes you, you know, have to kind of overreact um, and just set a precedent and, and, and to you. And it's an unfair one that basically from now on, people are just going to literally control me <laughs> and physically invade my space without at least asking me like do you need help or uh hey i think you're going the wrong way <laughs> yeah you know, it's just it's it's wrong and like you said uh, you know the least that people could do is just like you know just ask say something you. yeah ask you. just <laughs> say ask something a question. Anything. Yeah. <laughs> hi <think> i'm going <laughs> to i'm going to grab you and push you backwards at any <laughs> interaction other than silence yeah. Um, probably would have helped. And, and, you know, the upside is that I get plenty of opportunities to practice um, mm -hmm. self-advocacy and, <laughs> and making my own decisions in those situations. Mm -hmm. Jim, I'm curious, Leslie, something? if you, yeah, I'm curious, Leslie, if you agree, but I, I tend to think that there's a real gender component to that whole interaction mm -hmm. on, on both sides. Right. I, I think that, I think that, that um, he felt justified in grabbing you both because you're a woman and because you were blind and just sort of trying to, to push you where Steer he wanted me. you to yes. go, mm -hmm. which, I, which I, I think, which true. I think is very inappropriate um, mm -hmm. way to behave. It's, it's not just a case of he was just trying to help. It was a very, uh, I mean, abusive power is kind of how I tend to think about it. It was a mm -hmm. very inappropriate thing for him to do. Yeah. I would say um, he's, you know, how much gender plays a part in that i don't know um compared to how much disability plays a part in that mm -hmm. certainly um i you know i don't think he would have done the same thing um to you or chad or mm -hmm. or um george you know i don't think i don't think he would walk up to a guy and just grab him and and steer them in the whatever direction and especially mm -hmm. without saying anything um right so, yes, I think gender definitely plays a part in it for sure, you know, but with disabilities as a whole, we we tend to somehow become public property. I have a I have a um, if we're ready, if, if we can move on, I have another story that which is OK, really kinda, but before oh, you yeah. get onto that, George was going to say something. No, I'm, I'm just saying real quick that you're listening to being cited uh, from my perspective. I'm still new. So the whole thing, you know, it's been about three years now. Yeah. That, over three years, I think. Yeah, over, over three. three. Yeah. Um, that, uh, that I've been involved with the blind community. 
And I still hear these stories, which is like, wow, this really does happen. Um, it's just very unique uh, perspective that I'm receiving at my, my, from my point of view that, um, yeah, it's, it's even when um, it comes to physical contact, I've been always watching videos of police officers engaging with um, civilian population. And mm-hmm. what I noticed is that every time that someone puts a hand on you, whether it's a police officer or anyone else, the whole demeanor changes, the conversation changes, the whole uh, environment changes. And when people put hands on you without your consent. And I guess that's probably the big takeaway I'm also getting here that people don't realize that. I don't care who you are. You don't want to be touched by someone you don't know. Right. Especially you surprised by that. Right. Well, that makes no sense. But I've noticed with a couple of videos for police officers, every time they put hands on somebody when they went to that, that level, it always wound up to be in a bad situation. You know, you are learning to use your words and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. you know, even with the um, T program, we talk more about the holistic approach. Uh, to personal safety and self-defense, which are two different things. So right. in regards to your situation, you are not yet aware of personal safety tips such as using your voice, you know, um, holding your ground by, you know, stopping, right? Uh, pulling yourself away, letting them know exactly, hey, I don't need your assistance. You know, I appreciate it, but I'm fine I'm going this way or going the way I was going before. You know, uh, sometimes people be put on the spot, maybe be embarrassed. And sometimes it is that they get embarrassed. And you don't want to embarrass anybody. But sometimes you have to learn that the hard way. You know, uh, it's the same thing for for men who date women and go you know, across those boundary lines. Sometimes the boundaries are not set. But when you set them, you got to let the guy know, hey, I'm going to smack you in the face for being stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and eventually you're going to learn like, oh, that wasn't appropriate. No, that's not appropriate. That's you wrong. <laughs> right. And, you know. People are to be, we have to be taught certain things. Those for those of us in the that are cited, we have to be taught that certain things that we think are okay, or you know, that we have dominion over everybody. We don't. <laughs> and then be taught what what's what it right looks like and how it should be done. Mm-hmm. That's, that's my takeaway from, from this. That I hear these stories and all that stuff. So uh, mm-hmm. I appreciate you sharing that with us. Uh, great insight for me personally. So you still should kick them in the gym. Uh, so speaking of that, Jim, I'll remember that for next time. <laughs> so, Jimmy, Jim, <laughs> no, we'll not be kicking Jim. No, Mo, no, he's, he's about to say something. So <laughs> yes, I know. Don't <laughs> be kicking Jim. No, I won't. He, he, he's Germany. He, he was trying to segue because you, you know, you know, Jimmy, I know. Jim. <laughs> you just messed up my segue. You did a good job. I, I hijacked it. <laughs> you hijacked the whole thing. Stop grabbing my wrist, all right? Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't mean to jump the gun by any means. I, uh, I was <laughs> <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I have another story about, about um, losing my way where I did not have someone jump in and, and, uh, and try to save me in a way that was inappropriate and would have caused uh, a scene. Instead, <clears throat> I was, um, when, when I travel, when I fly, I generally like to, to find, um, <clears throat> uh, airplane gates myself. Um, usually in, in, in airports, I can ask questions. I can, um, there's, there's usually not a whole lot of choices about where you go. There's usually two or three different quarters that you can choose. And maybe there's a <clears throat> split along the way that you have to worry about. But mostly if you ask questions and you pay attention, you will find your gate. And so I'm, I'm used to, uh, that's why I'm used to traveling by asking lots of questions and paying a bit of attention to how the gates are numbered as I as I move along, that kind of thing. I was um 
trying to catch a flight out of um, uh, out of Heathrow, which is the airport in London, and I had never <clears throat> flown out of that airport before. I flew into it, but I'd never flown out of it. And um, I got there early because I knew I would need time because it's a brand new airport. And I'm pretty, I think I got there like three hours early. And I got through security. And um, so the first thing that happened is I would ask people um, which way to gate number so-and-so. And And I would get this really odd answer, which was, I can't help you. Go to the the, um, special services desk and they will have someone take you there. Um, and, and, And I mean... I am not used to that in the U.S., mostly because the U.S. doesn't really have a, a special services desk in the same way that, that we do in other, in other countries. Usually, mm-hmm. you, if, if you are going to get help, you get help from the airline or you get help you know, when, when you reach the when airline. When you first desk. arrive, yeah. Um, yeah. So um, I wasn't used to that. But also, the awareness that people had that if blind people need help, they go to the special services desk and I don't deal with them was was very strong right it was it it, it um i wouldn't say nobody wanted to help me but but it, it was a very it's a very large number of people who were just like no i can't help you go to go find the special services desk so anyway i get through security and i start wandering off looking for my gate and i walk and i walk <laughs> i mean i swear i think i walked a mile i mean yeah, I, I believe maybe a little bit of an exaggeration but not but not by much it wasn't like i just sort of wandered off or you know, five minutes and was really stuck. I, I, I walked for a good 15 minutes and I saw a couple of gates, but then, but then I was just in a long, long ass hallway of nothing, right. <laughs> of, of doors and, <laughs> and other things. I'm like, have I managed to get off the beaten path? Am I like back in the employee only area? Oh, God. Um, and there were, and, and, and at this point there was nobody around, right. It wasn't like, um, I could ask somebody because there was nobody around, and I was sort of becoming aware that that um, that my flight was leaving. Like my flight's only eighty minutes away, sixty minutes away, fifty minutes away, and I'm starting to panic a little bit um, for two reasons. One is I really didn't want to miss my flight, and two, I had no idea where in the airport I was, um, and so I just kept walking. And I, I mean, it. Um, there were a couple of, of, you know, places where I had decisions to make about turns and I made, you know, took, took the, took the more prominent turn when I could, you know, things like that. But I just was really alone and, and pretty, you know, pretty, um, pretty worried. <laughs> um, and eventually I found a desk and I said, listen, I need help. I need to find my gate. And they were like, well, where's your, you know, where's your carer? Where's the person who's helping you? And I'm like, well, there isn't anybody. It's just me. And so basically at that point they called and um, had somebody come and find me and they, they came and got me in a cart, which is an unfortunate reality that often happens with, uh, with airport uh, assistance. And the cart drove me to my gate and it felt like quite a drive. It felt like another 10 minutes in the cart. <laughs> and I'm just like, and I, I'm sure that what that meant was that I had gotten off the, I'd gotten, you know, I had, I had gone the wrong way and we had to kind of retrace our steps a little bit, but it took, it took quite a while to get to my gate. Um, and that's really about that. That is the, that is the scariest situation I have been in, in terms of, of, of travel um, as a guy in, in other countries. And it really kind of made me question. Uh, I mean, I still often travel um, without asking for help, but it sort of made me question the, the very solid assumption that I had made until then that all blind people 
can travel independently and don't need to get assistance if they sort of pay attention to what they're doing and learn how to ask questions and 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 have some basic skills um turns out to be turns out that it's often harder than you think <laughs> and so um i still often travel without asking for help but uh, especially at some of the larger airports in europe um uh heathrow being uh, the heathrow being at the primary example of this i now do in fact go and arrange for help ahead of time so um a very interesting uh, story about getting lost and and not having anybody around to kind of save you and when i what i find most interesting about that is that you know uh if you were anybody else if you were sighted you um you could walk up to somebody and ask for directions and they would just point you in the right direction. Hundred percent. Yeah. And so the fact that they were just like, no, I don't even know how to point you in the right direction. It, it's just a total shutdown uh, for them mm-hmm. of there's a, I can't treat, I don't know how to treat you like a normal person. I, <laughs> yes, there is a, that too. There's, there's a feeling of responsibility, right? If I point this, if I point this blind person in the direction and they get lost. That's my fault. Mm-hmm. And it's not a responsibility that we that that most people in the U.S. or for that matter in Germany and Ireland and other places I've been really feel. But somehow in the U.K. that it's part of their it's part of the socialization. Sure. Um, and so it's like if I'm going to help this person, I got to get them all the way there. Mm-hmm. And I don't trust that that I'll just sort of give them the next step and then they'll figure it out along the way. It's a very interesting and different way of sort of viewing um how we how we think about independence and, and blindness but you know jim I have, I have a question first of all like you know i've I learned about the blind card and i'm telling you right now i will use it as a sighted person if i could all right just get me a cart and get there quicker that's me i'll take but, a cart over a, a wheelchair i'll take yeah i'll take a yeah, cart say, over a wheelchair uh, beep beep double about the way that important people coming through i will take that <laughs> all day but i understand too because even you know even if i you know, I was traveling just recently and I like to be, you know, independent. So I'm sure I would want to be the same way. And so my question is this, what do you think could be done at airports? I mean, not just the question for Jim, but for everyone here, what do you think could be instituted at airports um, and other places where you have to travel that could assist uh, individuals like yourselves who are independent and, you know, uh, intelligent enough to make your way through if, you, if you're led the right way? Uh, I think. think I'm, go ahead, Jim. Uh, there, I mean, there's a whole lot to this. So, first of all, my mom is my mother is recovering from a, a stroke, and so basically, whenever she flies now, she uses a wheelchair, and she loves it. I mean, <laughs> uh, I mean, she's just so happy not to have to deal with any of it. She just asks for a wheelchair, somebody shows up, and she sits down, and 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 they and they wheel her to the gate. Um, and so I sort of totally, re- and I also totally respect that the people who are doing this, first of all, they have other jobs, right? So, so they have been pulled away from something to do this guide work. At the, actually, I think this is more true in the U.S. I think in the U.K. and in Europe, they hire people whose primary job it is to, to escort people with disabilities. But in the U.S., for sure, it's it's people who are doing other things and, and get called to do this once in a while. U.S. and, and Canada. And, <laughs> Is it is it true in Canada too that yep. that they that so I think the primary thing that could happen here is uh, a real uh, some some sensitivity training, which is a term I used to just loathe because I'm just like I just want to be treated like everybody else. But as I've gotten older, 
I've kind of realized that that sensitivity training is a really good thing. And the, basically, the idea is we are going to we are going to treat these people with disabilities like clients, like customers. We are going to not just sort of say, "You sit over there, and I'll take care of you." Stand there, I'll take care of you. Right? It's like, "Hello, my name is so and so. How can I help you?" Right? That's the first thing I would like. I want anybody to say to me who's going to help me in, in an airport. How can I help you? I'd like you to escort me to the gate. We just want to walk to the gate. Great. Um, you want to take my arm, right? I mean, basically a basic set of consent and a basic set of, of asking me how they can help and listening to my answer, right? That's, um, that would, that would go a long way, right? Because what these people are usually doing, it's probably some kind of, of, you know, moving luggage or other kinds of pat, you know, just, you know, mm-hmm. uh, lifting mm-hmm. or package work. And they're not used to sort of thinking about how to, how to do real customer service in the real customer service way. And even if they are, they don't really think of people with disabilities as customers. They think of us as, um, you know, uh, as, a, as a situation to be handled. And even if they're, even if they're being nice, even if they're being fairly nice about it, they're, they're thinking of us as something they have to deal with rather than as a customer they get, you know, that, that, that they're interacting with. I think that's the primary thing. Other things that could be done include, you know, um, putting better labeling on gates so that as blind people, we can find, you know, either in Braille or, or in tactile letters, what gates we're, we're coming to, um, better uh, descriptions of airports. Um, I would like just to be able to call a number and say, I am at gate B21. What's the, what's the deal with getting to gate, you know, C12, right? How do I do it from here and get competent directions, which is actually something I've started doing with, with like IRA and other visual interpretation services. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I've gone on a lot, but I feel like those are the things that could really help the situation mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah, actually, I just came upon a story that I heard about. Uh, it was titled, uh, A Disabled Woman Stranded on Plane for the uh, Demeaning 95 Minutes After Staff Meant to Help Her help her Off the Flight Were uh, a No-Show. Uh, this happened in England just uh, this uh, recently. Yeah, just a few months ago. Yeah, this yeah. happens. This happens a fair amount. Uh, people people miss flights. People have to wind up waiting for flights. I know for me, if I land and get to the gate and there's no one there to meet me, I will figure it out. I will not wait uh, for them. Now I have the privilege of being able to do that because I'm not in a wheelchair or in in other situations where I really need assistance to get off the plane. Um, but yeah, it's it's a real problem, and that is due to the fact that. The system is is you know is not real is not well funded right I mean it doesn't mm-hmm. have a lot of people and so it's really easy for for people to get missed and there's absolutely no accountability right I don't mm-hmm. think anything's ever going to happen because of that I mean maybe the maybe the airport will get some bad press but no one's going to lose their job there's no real accountability over over stuff like that that happens and, and it really is a shame. I think staffing was was a problem, you know, before COVID, and it's even a bigger problem now. Yeah, it's um, way more so, a problem now. Um, yeah. You have you have airports that are extremely short staffed. Um, then you you know you may get help um, from someone who can't leave a certain terminal, so they can get you so far, and then you have to stand there and wait for someone from another terminal to come. Yep, or, that happened or, to me. Uh, walk you somewhere else. Yeah, that. That happened to me um, coming home from my last trip from England. As a matter of fact, um, there was a woman at the gate there to meet uh, an underaged traveler, a young girl who was traveling home. And then there was me and two people that needed to be um, in wheelchairs, one with a walker and uh, one who needed to have someone bring a wheelchair 
down the jet bridge and and the people uh who were supposed to be coming with the wheelchairs never showed up so it ended up um after you know 15 20 minutes when everyone including the crew had left the plane that me and the staff member um and the girl assisted these other two people just to get up to the terminal just to get up to the gate area and then um you know we had to leave them there um because they needed wheelchair assistance but um mm -hmm. and then i got stuck um right outside of international security because someone was supposed to come help me get to the gate and never showed up and a tsa agent actually ended up helping me but um you know it, it unfortunately stuff like that happens and i think it happens even more now mm -hmm. than it did before yeah. it's so much worse than it was before covid now yeah yeah i'm actually a big fan of trying to of, of, especially for, for blind people of feeling confident um trying to, to 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 do this yourself right to kind of avoid some of this it is i mean as as my story you know kind of points out it doesn't always go well but it can often go well and i i hate the idea that people are sort of feeling completely stranded or completely trapped if if they aren't met and um, really want to kind of push the narrative that says that, uh, you know, um, Heathrow is a really crappy airport for this. But <clears throat> in the more general case, often you can, especially if you have time, try to figure it out on your own. Especially yeah, if what you're talking about is leaving an airplane, right? If you if you just have to get out of the airport, because <laughs> really it's just a funneling process of go this way, you know, follow, follow the people. Sorry, Leslie, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and that's, I think my my biggest regret in in that situation I was just talking about was that I waited. I you know the person told me they would come back and then I waited too long to go find the gate myself and I was like I got 20 minutes to get to the other end of the airport and I I don't think I can manage that on my own um at this with that amount of time and had I just left immediately after coming through security and not waited or not waited more than five minutes i mm -hmm. i probably would have been okay um because i have certainly you know walked away before and just said you know nobody's showing up i got to get to my gate i'll go find it myself um but yeah i in that situation i just waited way too late yeah um i would just want to cut in real quick and uh just echo jim's um you know thoughts Definitely think there should be some sort of immersion training when it comes to the staff that uh, work airports and just work any sort of public uh, customer service sort of type of job. Um, I think they should have actual days where people with various disabilities from the community are allowed to come in and then the staff are forced to work with them and understand their accommodations that they need. Uh, I think a lot of the time it's just they never have those encounters on a frequent enough basis. So when they're faced with some someone who really needs a lot of accommodations, they just panic or they just shut down and don't know how to help. So then they just basically don't offer that help. So, you know, I think immersion training would be great. Um, I think there's a lot of things that could be done with, you know, AI technology that is going on now. There's like things like way around, way maps, uh, good maps. There's a lot of satellite mapping that is being done. And then with using the, you know, a set company, you can actually just travel on your own because it's been mapped. 
and you can actually just scan, you know, barcodes and just certain um, points that have been created through the cloud that will allow you to travel independently and on your own. Um, so, you know, I think maybe there should be, you know, a little bit of hybrid technology that's being brought into uh, airports. I know in the UK, there's a great company called Welcome Me. Um, and the way that it works is you can literally contact, you know, like a store, like a shopping mall in advance, you know, let them know like, hey, I'm going to be arriving at your store at this time. I have retinitis pigmentosa. I use a guide dog. Um, I've never been to your shopping mall before, so I don't know where to go in order to get to your J. Coles or, or your Gap. Can someone please meet me at the front of the store? I'll be coming in through this entrance and please help me get to said store so that I can do my shopping. And they will literally have someone there waiting for you. They'll be able to do a little bit of research prior to know exactly what kind of accommodations you would need or someone with RP might require and then they can help them. So again, I think there's a lot of technology out there right now that's not getting utilized that could be used in the airport, especially with those customer service people. Um, and again, I would just like to reinforce the immersion and sensitivity training because I honestly hate traveling um, into an airport on my own because the very first time I did so on my own, I had my guide dog taken away from me when I was going through security. Um, Ooh, literally uh-huh. had my guide dog ripped out of my hands and then was told to move forward when I had no idea what direction I was facing. And of course, me being the very outspoken person I am, the second I got through, I yanked the guide dog back and I laid into the guy telling him, never do that again. That is absolutely just terrible what you did. That's literally kidnapping, um, you know, my property and holding it against, you know, my will. And then you literally stranded me somewhere without any help and basically have now put me in danger to hurt myself trying to move forward through an obligatory obli- you know, mm-hmm. um, checkpoint that I now cannot navigate because you took my only means of independence. Right. So, you know, I definitely wow. reinforce, I never do that again. Don't do it to anybody that has a service animal of any sort. Do not approach them and take their dog. That is the biggest no-no you can ever commit. Um, so I, find that, I find it interesting that you uh, waited until you were through security to throw it. I would have, as soon as it happened, I would have stopped. I would have, oh, I would have, I would have, yeah. I would have been like, no, that's not yeah. how this is going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just a, a matter of how, how different people do mm-hmm. um, self-advocacy differently. I would also mm-hmm. uh, like to gently push back on programs like Welcome Me. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have a problem with them. I, I think that, that for people who want to use them, um, that's fine, but I, I do not want to set the expectation. Well, t- two things. First, I don't really want to set the expectation anywhere that if I want to go shopping, um, I have to sort of make make plans ahead of time and call the store and make sure they have someone. Right? I I expect to be able to walk into a store and to be given someone to kind of help me shop. I'm willing to wait, you know, a few minutes while they find somebody. I'm willing to I'm willing to, to not be a dick about it, but. Um, I, I expect that level of service, um, and and I I think I think that that it's a totally reasonable accommodation to say I need I need someone to come help me do this. The other thing that I'm really afraid that that welcome me in, in programs like that. that there's another program in the UK where um, you can arrange to have someone meet you at the tube station 
and show you where to go to get your train and someone will meet you when you get off and, and show you how to get out. Um, the other problem, pro the problem I have with programs like this is that they've always set a pretty low expectation for blind people. So not only do sighted folks not really expect a lot from blind people under the situations, but blind people will learn how to not expect a lot out of themselves. Um, and so I think that if you need help, you should absolutely ask for it. I'm not saying otherwise, but I'm saying that should be that that you should expect that that help will be there when you ask for it, and rather than it needing to be something that gets sort of pre-planned and 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 uh, and arranged for you know ahead of time. I um I wonder if if this is something that you know uh, we talked about sensitivity training and rather than having this option where the expectation is that that everyone is going to need the service um, is just a matter of it's available if you need or want it but mm -hmm. it is not it is not a requirement which I think is uh, sometimes what happens um, here in the U U.S. and certainly in the U.K. is that. Um, people think that, well, the service is out here. Now we expect everyone to use it rather than, you know, as Jim said, I, I should be able to just come into a store and say, hey, I'm here. Um, mm -hmm. Is there someone who can assist me? Um, so I just wonder how much sensitivity training would go toward um, keeping a program <laughs> yeah. like that available, but not making it uh, become mm -hmm. an expectation. Yeah. It's hard because no matter how much like information you give someone at the end of the day, it's up to that individual to take it and use it and then, you know, use it in the right way going forward. And it's just so hard because you, you, you can like, like the saying goes, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't teach it how to <laughs> right. drink. So it's right. like, you can give people all this information in the world and you can say, Oh, we trained our people how to, interact and you know how to treat you know the disabled the right way as you know independent yeah. and confident and then they don't do it and it's like well you know it's it's always going to be a very hard situation because i honestly think i don't know i don't know if there is a true one solution um and again it's like i don't know it, it's it's definitely a hard answer to come up with <laughs> right well on the other side of that i'd also like to see um more people with dis disabilities get get better training as well yeah i mean um, maybe because there's disabled, there's that side of it too yeah, and maybe disabled people just need to work in those you know those yeah. businesses like have disabled <laughs> people active in an airport <laughs> right you know you said it jokingly but i honestly i think you you need to have people uh representation is important sure and so you have individuals who understand the complications of people like themselves they can advocate as well a advice maybe suggest this um, no, so I think that'd be important too. And going back to what the conversation about uh, having services available, uh, there's an example where we did some training for seed here in Savannah, and we went to a uh, restaurant. Uh, it was um, Bonefish Grill. Mm -hmm. It's a restaurant, and I went to. I dropped everyone off. I parked the car. I went back in, and they had menus. The menus mm -hmm. were in braille as well as uh, bold and a large, large print which we were surprised that they had that. Well, uh, another year later, another some more training had, uh, had come here to Savannah, went to the same place at the group. They no longer had it. Why? Because it wasn't <laughs> being used. Hmm. And mm -hmm. so, you know, as you're saying before, you have these services, we have to maintain them. And part of it is if no one, even if you don't necessarily need them, uh, if you at least ask for it, is it available? 
they'll think, okay, maybe this is a service that we need to keep on. Otherwise, mm-hmm. they're just like, no one uses it. We'll get rid of it. We'll save money. Mm-hmm. And that's what people start doing when they start thinking about, you know, cer- certain services and maintain them that if no one's going to request them because, you know, they have the independence to do it themselves. Then why do we even need the services? Right. But I- every situation is different, mm-hmm. but it's always good to have things set up. Uh, if you don't need it, at least ask about it. Hey, are, what, uh, are there anything available in just in case? So maybe that day you're feeling sick. Yeah. You know, you really can't, you don't feel like you're traveling because sometimes you travel, you, you may get sick, upset stomach, whatever, maybe headache. Um, and maybe you actually will need the services at that time because they make it easier for you in your situation. Yeah. I, you know, I honestly forget. I, I'm so used to restaurants not having that, <laughs> that I don't, yeah. I don't think about asking. And then on the rare occasion that the, you know, the hostess or waiter, waiter or wait staff comes up to me and says, Hey, we have a Braille menu. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> oh, nice. I'm um, okay. But I don't read yes, <laughs> I'm part of that 15, I'm part of it's like 15% of the population, you know, which I think well, is even, really weird. Even, <laughs> you know, the pandemic produced the necessity for restaurants to, to set up QR codes. Yeah. Um, and so that was when that was made in an accessible format. And often it was just that they took pictures of the menu and put it in a Google form or Google doc and, and connected to it that way. Um, you know, it was a great concept of here, we're going to, you know, every table is going to have this QR code on the corner or in the center of the table. And you just scan it with your phone. And, you know, of course, there again, not everybody's going to be able to do that. Um, not everybody has the the skills to, to do that. But having mm-hmm. those options out there, having multiple ways to get information um, so that you try to reach the most people you can. Mm-hmm. Um, is great, but like I said, I often I often don't even think to ask for a braille menu. I didn't even know that the airlines had their safety guide in braille. Um, mm-hmm. I I guess it was a couple years ago that I flew and and the the uh, flight attendant asked me if I wanted it in braille, and I was just like, "Wow, I wow. didn't know this was a thing." <laughs> um, yeah, and it apparently had been a thing for a couple of years, but no one had ever offered it or told me about it before. It's been Spanish? a thing for a long time now. Yeah, that's what I. That's what years, my understanding was. <laughs> I had no idea. I've, it's been offered to me twice. They don't really publicize that, though. No, but they, they don't. don't. Also, <laughs> they don't. Say, if you don't ask about it, no one's going to tell you about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's also you know, that's that's also a thing as well as the knowledge. Like some flight attendants don't even know that they have it, or they forget because mm-hmm. they are so busy getting ready for their like everybody yeah or, on board or, or just don't people. don't encounter people with disabilities enough exactly they, there's yeah. no one to advocate for you on a regular basis i mean they need to have someone in the airport that represents you know those with uh you know with certain needs they need mm-hmm. to have that type of representation if someone who's blind that's great you know and this represent the entire group of individuals who may have disabilities right. but they could mm-hmm. because they're the better voice than someone who cited just like i think i know it's no you don't know what they think you don't know what they're supposed to be what they need have you asked right. anybody, you know, right. um, and going this back to Chad talking about his, his dog, I just looked something up. So I, that's why I did a research stuff. Um, <laughs> TSA says, will not separate you from your service animal. So yeah. the individual had no training, bad training, or just idiot, mm-hmm. uh, an idiot. Um, yeah, we'll go with idiot. Something like I, that. I would like to agree with the idiot. <laughs> yeah. But in this situation, which is a good point, you, you advocate for yourself afterwards, but at that mm-hmm. point, you just, can I see a supervisor and mm-hmm. explain to, and I think that, Part of it is that individuals need to know their rights mm-hmm. as they travel. 
So, you know, the, uh, there's ADA.gov. Uh, I think it has lots of information on yeah. there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, like I actually did see some stuff. I'm going to uh, send it to you, Leslie, for okay. the notes. I got you. just going to go back a little bit because as I'm listening, I'm looking up stuff and talking about for, you know, emergency management. Um, there's a number of things that they an over an overview list of things, but preparedness, testing for preparedness is part of their responsibility, a notification alert systems, communicating evacuation, transportation, emergency shelter programs. So a number of things that they're supposed to do. We're trying to find a more finite list um, for individuals to, mm-hmm. to look at, uh, discuss, because we have talked about emergency um emergency situations before, but yep. I think we really broke it down to what is the responsibility of your local government and other agencies to provide support. I'm not saying, you know, um, what it's supposed to do for you, but to provide support if you need it. If you have a great family structure, like Chad, your whole family's in the house. So I mean, <laughs> you know, you guys can help each other out. If you have family nearby mm-hmm. that's or friends nearby, you can trust, which is part of that preparedness that you need uh, for anything. I don't care. Uh, if you're blind or sighted, you need to have some type of family network. Like um, when I moved back here in 2017, there was, I can't remember which hurricane it was, uh, I evacuated. And a friend from college, uh, he and his wife extended an invitation for me to go uh, a little more um, east of here, um, a place called uh, Peachtree City, Georgia. And I stayed the whole weekend with them. We got residual rain and winds up there, but it was fine. I come back home to where I live, then nothing hit my neighborhood. <laughs> um, usually where I, where in Savannah, very, it's a uh, low, it's low lining, lying rather, uh, low country as they call it. So it gets a lot of floods in certain places, but where I live in my community, nothing, but you know, I had, I had an extension, you know, uh, from, from friends and mm-hmm. I took it, um, that the month happened after that, I stayed home, everything was fine, but having the capability or the ability, um, for friends and family to assist you. I don't care who you are. It's a necessity just in case mm-hmm. uh, I had friends who came up another, uh, it's that same hurricane and stayed with me from Florida, you know? Uh, so I think that's great, but yeah, we have to be aware of these certain things. We have to prepare, prepare for it. I think everyone should prepare for the worst. Mm-hmm. Unless you're in Florida, you're going to have those hurricane parties. <laughs> uh, I'm not down with that. I'm not trying to get blown into the water. I can't swim. <laughs> um, so we're not doing that. Uh, I'll just stay home. <laughs> Good. But mm-hmm. yeah, but being prepared, I don't care who you are. You need to be prepared for a situation. Mm-hmm. Um, what makes you feel comfortable is the main thing. What makes you feel mm-hmm. comfortable and safe, just right. safe and comfortable in, in that order. Yeah. Yep. And it's important to like, if you're so used to having that close knit family or friend group where you're like at, you know, when, if you were to say to move and now you're on your own, it's super important that you start to learn. Um, and of course, you know, you bring up a great point, um, point, George, just like, you know, you keep saying, like, if, if you don't know, then of course you don't know where to go to look, um, who right. to ask. So it's definitely important that, you know, we, you know, with whatever we're doing as an advocate or, you know, as someone that works with, you know, any, any sort of like public figure, you know, we kind of try and help get that information. Because like you said, that's like the, the biggest thing. Like if you're going to start living on your own and you want to be independent, then you definitely need to know. For emergencies and safety what's what's best for you and who you can ask and where you can go because you know if it's something like a hurricane you definitely need to know how to be safe <laughs> right absolutely yeah i like what, what jim said about you know it's a difference between europe and in america and traveling you know i i think maybe we're kind of spoiled to a degree we can do better 
<laughs> but I mean, much better uh, here in the country. So I mean, I'm kind of wondering how can we advocate for individuals who may need assistance or have that available? Because like for us, you know, those of us who are retired military or military, we have the USL. So when I go to major airports, you know, United, United Service Organization, uh, they're a great organization of volunteers. They have centers, you know, throughout airports. And if I got held over, I can go there and go take a nap <laughs> or read a book, <laughs> watch a movie, get some snacks, all for free. Right. You know, so there's something like that uh, for those with um, certain disabilities and all that. That would be a great thing to have, mm-hmm. you know, just in case like, hey, this is a center right here. You have an issue. We can guide you in the right direction. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll, we'll literally point you here. Your guide dog needs some water. We got your guide dog needs some water. Hey, <laughs> if you need a wheelchair or you need, a, you know, transportation, you can also get that here too, or provide you with the options at like a one-stop place somewhere mm-hmm. centralized within the airport that is easy, easy to find. So you can still maintain your individual, your uh, individual, um, you know, individuality. Mm-hmm. And if you do need help, you can also get it there too. So you get, it gives you those options. So mm-hmm. something like that, I think, would be uh, beneficial, you know, uh, for that assistance if you need it, instead of trying to wait at a certain, you know, we'll find the center, have somebody help you, all mm-hmm. a, a point where they just kind of like a octopus, just put their, you know, tentacles out there, far reaching mm-hmm. out the entire airport, provide services when necessary, if needed. Mm-hmm. Yep. So a dreamer. I love that from a, <laughs> from a service provision standpoint. I think that's great. I um, I think that that goes back to a, a real funding issue that that we yeah. talked about before, right? Mm-hmm. I would be happy if we could just get to a place where the people who help me um, come from a specific office. I can call mm-hmm. that office from a land. I can say I need someone to come to the, to meet me at this gate and escort me to this other gate, and they say yes, sir. We'll have mm-hmm. some when they're in 10 minutes and they show up in 10 minutes, right? I mean, I would be perfectly happy with that. Having having donuts and, <laughs> you know, um, places to hang out and, and a place to take a nap are, are icing on the cake. But, mm-hmm. man, if we could just get to a place where the service that's offered is, you know, on a, on a person-to-person basis mm-hmm. from a centralized location where I get to serve, call and make the arrangements I need to make rather than relying on the airline to do it. Right. I mean, uh, anyway, sorry. I, I, I love the idea. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. the one thing about the USO is that it's all volunteer and it's a, it's a nonprofit. So mm-hmm. that's the way around it. Mm-hmm. You get people who want to volunteer services for that. That would take a little of the cost away from the airport. And they want to worry about, we can't afford it. Well, find me a little, a little building in there, a little, little, yeah, little, make uh, me a space, make me yeah. a space. Yeah. And of all volunteer search, I'm sure there's enough people within certain communities within major airports that, you know, have family members uh, that may be blind or have other disabilities or limitations. And there may be individuals who may be blind, who want something to do, mm-hmm. <laughs> help you at the airport. I, <laughs> I can think of so many of my veterans who would just, cause they're, they're always, I just, I just need something to do. I need something mm-hmm. to do and, and I need to volunteer somehow or do something. Um, so, yeah. So I think of think yeah. a lot of my guys that, so y'all, and y'all ladies. You lazy, you got me thinking right now. Like, how can you, how can you make this? Ha- <laughs> really, I, I, how can you make this happen? I'm, I'm serious. How can get the trademark, this? George. Get the trademark. Well, That's yeah. right. That's right. George yeah, will be yeah, calling I, up the TV stations and. <laughs> hey, we got a center. That's right. <laughs> bring a guide dog. Just bring a dog. Period. Just bring you know? a dog. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you know what? That would raise money because in the airport, if you have some random dogs, I don't have to be guide dogs. Random dogs in there. People can come and pet. Have a donation. Give a donation that will support the the center. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. Yeah. You know, I'm just, yeah. just an idea. Just an idea. <laughs>
I'm a dreamer. Yeah, I know. I li- I like that dream though. It's a it's a great idea. We'll to mm-hmm. we'll to keep keep working on that, pushing well, for thank it. You. Thank, thank you very much. You're welcome. <laughs> you will. This this will be public knowledge. George came up with this idea. <laughs> like ten we'll plus years it. later. That's right. Like, actually, um, go back to ep- go to go to episode this season that, and um, you'll <laughs> see that we were the first. That's right. Right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Document it. Absolutely. So. So Megan, we are um, we're getting a little short on time. Um, do you have anything you wanted to share or talk about that we haven't talked about? Um, I'm just going to go back to the um, navigation and airport side of things. Um, have any of you ever tried Apple Maps in the airports? I remember a couple months ago I was in the airport and I got a notification from your fo- my phone, and it said, "Okay, 20 minutes to get to your gate." I'm like. <laughs> Huh? <laughs> What's this? <laughs> uh, I was just curious if any of you have tried that because, I mean, I had somebody with me, so I didn't need to, and I was kind of in a rush because we were running late um, to get through and go. And um, Pearson in Toronto is hell. <laughs> <laughs> we're just gonna say that it's kind. It's a huge airport, mm-hmm. um, and so many people. Um, but like, I was just curious if anybody else has tried it because I'm kind of interested in that. I have not looked at Apple Maps for that. I know that, uh, a few years ago, uh, I believe Blind Square was, was attempting to map out some of the airports. Um, I don't know if that's still a thing. I know Good Maps is working on mapping out indoor spaces. Um, so I don't know what they have in the way of airports, but, uh, certainly something to look into. Mm-hmm. Um, even, even a, a program like, uh, an app like Soundscape, um, yeah. who already does some, some indoor mapping, at least, you know, getting you information. I've, I've used that in the mall a couple of times and it, it will at least give me an idea of what's nearby. Um, oh, interesting. I never knew they did it in doors places. Yeah, they don't do it well. Um, <laughs> yeah. but it's, it's, it's there. I've been able to mm-hmm. walk through the mall and know that, you know, uh, Belk was somewhere in my vicinity or, you know, the food court was somewhere in my vicinity, mm-hmm. you know, and that's in my little, my little local Mississippi mall. So, um, you know, maybe other spaces are mapped out. Certainly, um, I know college campuses are often mapped very well, mm-hmm. uh, at least as far as outdoor spaces. I don't know what their indoor spaces are like, but um, yeah, something to look into because I I do remember yeah. that Blind Square was working on a mapping of airports a while back and of course we've talked about this before you can also get uh, quite a bit of information about airport terminals and gates just from wikipedia mm-hmm. although That's that doesn't true. give you turn by turn directions of any kind but <laughs> it does nice give you some information <laughs> to know to know what's in the area if you you know if you're looking at this terminal knowing what kind of uh, food options are there you know getting some information about the layout of that terminal that's really cool i didn't know that yeah i didn't I, didn't know that either actually till we did the show last year yeah i would also say that that one of the best navigation experiences i've had at the airport um uh has been using ira and IRA, yeah. um ira if for those who don't know is, is a paid you you pay for the service um and then you launch an app and you basically get connected with somebody who uh, can see where you are and can see what you see through your camera and can then help you perform all kinds oh, of tasks. Are those the glasses? Um, 
Uh, they don't do the glasses they're, anymore. They're working, though, they're uh, they're okay. working on, on a glasses option, but mostly it's just your phone's camera. But the, the, the important thing about it is actually I don't even bother with the camera. Uh, I mean, maybe occasionally, but mostly what I do with them, as I say. So uh, I am standing at gate B25 at this airport. I need you to bring up a map of the airport. And I need you to describe to me how one goes about getting from B25 to other gates. And they'll bring it up and they'll go, oh, okay, it looks like you have to uh, go past B30 um, <clears throat> and then you turn right and then you go down a bunch of stairs and you take a tram, right? I mean, whatever it is, right? You can mm-hmm. get great information from them. And if you want to use the camera to kind of have them identify gate numbers as you're walking along or things like that, that's great. But really their value for me comes in in knowing and being able to look at a map of the airport and being able to tell me how to get from point A to point mm-hmm. B. Because, I mean, the, the, the best people ask me sometimes, you know, um, what's a really good way to to simulate what it's like to be you in the airport? And it, it, and uh, and I say, so, you know, forget about the blindfold, forget about all that. Just imagine that there are absolutely no signs. <laughs> no signs yes. at all. Okay? I mean, everything is set up, everything is working perfectly, but there are no signs. You have to ask somebody what gate you're at. You have to ask somebody what direction a gate is. You have to ask somebody which way the train you want to take. I mean, all of those things. And 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 that's usually pretty overwhelming. They're like, well, okay, so what do we do now? <laughs> and I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, right. You have to think about other other ways of communicating this information. But basically, no signage is available to a blind person, and that's really um, the that's really the solution that Iris sort of helps to. to mm-hmm. And I, that's interesting because I've never thought about just getting Ira. You know, I always think about using them, having them look through my camera and give me information. But I've never thought about just just connecting with them and saying, "Hey, could you just look at an airport map and give me information?" Right. Yeah. That? Yep. Yep. Yeah. I'm my current location. For, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I also use them for other non-camera, non-location things, like if I need them to help me look at at like um, Airbnb, right? Um, I, I'm just gonna 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 go off on a tangent for just a second. If you have them do an Airbnb map, they can tell you lots of things that are really hard to figure out using the screen reader. Like, uh, like I need an Airbnb that's near this stadium or that's near the light rail or that's near whatever. They can bring up on a map and really kind of <laughs> narrow your options down for you. And that doesn't require a camera. Doesn't right. require anything other than them doing work, you know, for you. So there are all kinds of really creative uses for. It. I mean, I do want to be clear: it's a service you pay for, um, but generally, I find it's a service that that can provide value. Yeah. And again, this is another option that you have available. I just think when it comes to travel and navigation, we just need to have uh, more options. And again, uh, you know, I I know the the argument as well. Do we really, can we really justify to pay the money to have this option available to people? But again, I just think if there's more options available to people with any form of a disability, um, it gives us the ability to find that option that will work best for us, whether, you know, it be IRA or, you know, something similar to a blind square. At least we know that there's something out there that works for us and mm-hmm. helps us continue to be independent and confident. I just think that's where the, the winning starts <laughs> absolutely 100 percent. 100 percent, yeah so george i know you've been over there furiously doing research in the background <laughs> as we talk um did you have anything you'd like to share no i i enjoyed uh hearing different stories uh, it gives me a fresh perspective that i wasn't aware of 
before. Got me all heated up now. Like need to go find a, a little center. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. <laughs> he's got that program. He's rolling. thinking yeah. of Dave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Options and opportunities for people. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so things like it's um, like Jim said, you know, so Jim's a very independent person and maintains his independence. But at the same time, there's, there's times that you need a little bit of assistance. You mentioned, uh, you know, Chalene Airport, or actually, Jim said, Chalene Airport is no signs. Well, I was in the airport last week. Uh, I figured where the city I was in or state airport I was in, but I didn't see a sign for a tram. So I'm, wor- I'm walking from gate F all the way to B. Mm. It was a long walk. <laughs> and I didn't see a sign for, you know, transportation to the gate. Like, really? Yeah. You know? Where was the sign before? Because <laughs> I was tired. I almost missed my flight. You right. Know? Uh, but yeah, I get this. I understand that analogy perfectly. So there was no signs. <laughs> Luckily, I was able to, you know, I'm thinking, did I go the wrong way? Because I was in doubt of myself and I can see clearly, you know, the signage. But but there's one point I did not see a sign if there was one uh, for transportation. But it got me a lot quicker and less chance of me missing my flight. Yeah. You know, so I totally yeah. understand that. Uh, and I think it's something that has to be done that, um, you know, to help out you know, all individuals who are traveling. So, yeah, that's, that's all I have. Yeah. And also them, them being a, a, at least having accountability. I think that's also a big thing is like, they, like if they mess up, then, you know, you, you know, like for like instance, when um, I had my guide dog taken away from me, you know, their, their apology was, we will give you $200 in food. And I'm like, I don't want your food <laughs> right? because <laughs> I want you to do better next time when I travel or for anybody that's traveling with a service animal. I want to know that this isn't going to happen again. And then you basically just trying to pay me off doesn't really give me a lot of confidence that you're going to fix the problem that's here. So yeah. definitely I agree um, with Jim when he said accountability. Like we, there, there definitely needs to be accountability when they do mess up and they don't have signs or stuff like that then they should own up to it. But of course they probably won't, but it would be good if they did. Yeah. I'll take I, your food, take your food and make complaints. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> you, you I have thankfully not had my dog taken away from me. I've certainly had TSA agents tell me, okay, you're going to take the dog's harness off and leash off right. and collar off. And I'm like, are you going to catch her? <laughs> Because <laughs> when she's free, she's you free. Yeah. She's That's right. She is. She is. She turned in from a working dog to a puppy, and mm-hmm. <laughs> people don't understand that. They don't understand that. There's a difference. The dog is trained when it's in a harness, or you know, you know, got the vest on. Take those suckers off. Free reign, baby. It's that's right. Me. It's yeah. it's a that means she's she's off work, and yeah. <laughs> I um, so play. I. You know, I have to say, no, I'm not. Uh, this is what's going to happen. We're going to, mm-hmm. I'm going to go through the yep. detector. She's yep. going to sit there. I'm going to call her through. She's going to mm-hmm. set it off. And then one of you, I'm going to make somebody's day because mm-hmm. you get to pat her down. Exactly. <laughs> and mm-hmm. you will get kisses and attention and a wagging yep. tail. And mm-hmm. <laughs> you, um, you know, so if you don't like dogs, pass it on yeah. to somebody who does. And, but, <laughs> and I know, like, this, you know, we were also talking about how, like, how he could have done things different. And I realized going forward, that's what I needed to do up front. Because when I did it the first time, it was my first encounter. Yeah. I was, mm-hmm. you know, not as confident and, you know, doing things immediately. But, you know, the way I changed things going forward was like, I told them from the very beginning, as I stepped up and started taking my stuff off, I'm like, okay, here's how it's going to go. Exactly. I'm going to go yeah. through first and the dog is, and like you said, I'm going to make somebody's day because they're going to get to pet the dog. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> It's a learning experience, and then 
Yeah. So you and gotta, it is, you and it takes learn. those those and it takes those situations of you know like like my experience with the gentleman in the hotel and and your experience with with TSA. It takes getting through that situation, at least, especially the first time of going, oh my god, this mm-hmm. I don't know what to do because you're so surprised mm-hmm. that it's happening um, that without you know practice and this is this is why you know when you take self-defense you have to practice it even in the hopes that you'll never use it Mm -hmm. um because you need your response to be somewhat automatic because you are going to be surprised and in shock and so you want to be able to react in a way that's practiced rather than just standing there with your mouth open going what just happened (laughs) and um so it's it's always a good idea, even just to get with a partner and practice um, yeah. responding, how you're going to respond, how you're going to advocate for yourself or mm-hmm. uh, things like that. So, Well, guys, this has been a great episode. Um, appreciate Chad and Jim coming on the show and talking with us and um, just having a really great discussion. Um, so yeah, I just, thanks, guys. Completely. Um, <laughs> no, um, just, uh, I got you, thank- Leslie. I got you. <laughs> thank you. Take it away, Megan. <laughs> yeah, thank you guys very much. It's been a great show. I think we could definitely go on for hours and hours. Oh, uh, sure. But as an editor, I don't want to do that. <laughs> no, uh, Megan's like, but I also have a day job, so no. <laughs> so thank you guys, guys are welcome. This much. has been fun. I've, I've enjoyed it a lot. So. Yeah. Thank you so much for asking me. It's, it's been a great honor. Um, you know, I, I appreciate all that you do. Um, and just, you know, thank you again. I, I've really had a lot of fun. You're welcome. I um, look forward. I'm going to have to go, uh, go listen to your podcast. At the time. Uh, no, thank you. That's very nice of you. Yep. I'm we'll going to go add it to my podcast feed. Absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate that. I really do. So uh, for anyone looking for our show on social media, you can find us uh by searching for Hands-On Safety Podcast on Facebook. You can search for us um, at hands underscore safety on Twitter. And you can check out our website, handsonsafety.net. And uh, we look forward to seeing you all again next time, bringing you a new show next month. Have a great night and a great day, everyone. Take care, all. All right, bye, everyone. Bye. 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 <laughs>